We want to talk about faith. We want to talk about um, politics. We want to talk about race. We want to talk about pop culture. Literally, everything, everything, everything is up for discussion, and that's what French culture is about. About. She's Lisa V. And he's Randall Keith. And this is Brunch Culture, the show where everything is up for discussion and we are back for another week, guys. We are here. It's yes, Brunch Culture and, time. And before we celebrate, we should celebrate four years of Brunch Culture. Yo, four years. Like... <laughs> I can't. I still can't believe when I when I text you the other day. I I looked at my calendar. I was like, because it, it's always on my best friend's birthday. Um, when we started on my best friend's birthday, but I looked at my calendar. I was like, wait, it's been four years, yo. Like, f- time literally has flown by. Time it, keeps on ticking. Exactly. Into the future. And you just think about we just had like I feel like we had so many things to talk about but i still feel that we have talked about but i still feel like it's so much to discuss like always and it's like because stuff keeps happening you know like dennis rodman crying on cnn with chris cuomo (laughs) will forever be etched in my memory as one of the funniest cnn moments that i've ever seen yo i feel like people didn't a lot of people didn't see it because i expected to see memes like crazy or at least gifs like crazy like I I ran I saw it I think from Instagram maybe I saw it because did you post it on IG because I only saw it no once. I posted it on um, Twitter because I okay. was watching it was happening early in the morning and I happened like I'm talking about like two in the morning because you know they were on right, Singapore right. time and I just happened to be watching my TV is usually always on CNN so uh-huh. I'm watching it and I'm just like what. Why is he crying? Dying. And so I tweeted, is anybody else watching this right now? Because I know most people sleep. <laughs> but it was just like um, crazy. But, you know, I have a close friend that's 25. Uh-huh. And he didn't even really un- know who Dennis Rodman was. Rodman was. <laughs> and so I was sad. like, I feel old right now. Cause right? Obviously, you played with Michael Jordan. He did the thing with Carmen Electra, and he wore the dress and the wedding. And he had like no idea what I was talking about. And I was just like, "Oh wow, that is really an age difference." Right. When you think about it, Dennis Rodman probably he was like a social media star. Like, oh, yes, he was an athlete, so I'm not taking that away from. Him. But he was a social media star before there was like social media. Because I remember yeah. seeing like you used to go to the, like the um the grocery store and you see all the magazines and he would be on it him and Carmen Electra I remember their whole relationship used to play out a lot on MTV um they were always doing some sort of behind the scenes with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra of course that whole infamous wedding him wearing the wedding dress and that being like a big thing so I feel like if social media was big back then he would be everywhere so he probably is kind of like star of social media. yeah he kind of is probably like uh, like a social media star for us like the equivalent for back then yeah his skin looked leathery is that, was that- <laughs> <laughs> you so disrespectful yo. you so but do you dis- know what i'm talking about no it really does no so <laughs> <laughs> no, because like, like he, everybody, yeah, everybody no, because seriously, you know the whole like black don't crack, and then 
you look at Dennis Rodman, it's like it's like it's like it's like getting thick, and it's like wait, what's happening? But Dennis Rodman didn't always look like that, though, right? And I don't feel like he always talked like that either. Yeah, I I think it's just a, and that's it's like it has to be was. I think he really was. I think at a point in time, I remember, obviously it was years ago, but I remember hearing that him and Carmen Electra used to be on drugs. And maybe that's why she left him because yeah. he was on well, drugs. Well, I don't think it's past tense, though. <laughs> <laughs> so you think the leather face plus the tears was a combination of his, dr- his drug use? Yeah, I think it's present. He was legit. Like, he was legit, but hurt though about. Well, I don't even know because it was like tears of joy, wasn't it? Like from the clip that I saw, it was supposed to be like tears of I joy. I don't know. I don't know. But like, I know. He, no, he was frustrated because people had abandoned him. Yeah, that's. What and I was he was like, like, President Obama didn't take him seriously, and I'm just like, but do you really think President Obama thinks you should be the liaison for America and North Korea in this volatile state? Because even in this space, like, can we can we really consider Dennis Rodman the liaison of what happened? Like, I think that... Well, if, obviously he thinks he is. Because I think that... So, I could say the one, the one, the credit that I can give him is, like, I guess he normalized Kim Jong-un. Like, he tried to push for people to see him in a different light. And maybe in this, in this, this, this way that, you know, your current president likes to he likes celebrity maybe that did have some sort of impact some sort of back-end impact but i guess in that i would think like well dennis Rodman is not really obviously he's a celebrity but like you said you have somebody that's 25 (laughs) that is still considered a millennial they barely know who that is so i don't really know if if he maybe he's giving himself a little bit more credit than what he needed, but he was he was like, you know, and, and, and people abandoned me and they didn't they, they didn't believe me. They didn't respect me. And I'm just so happy that we're at this moment because I always knew it could happen. And I was like, bro, you like for real crying? though? like <laughs> and Chris Cuomo, his face was like, wait, what? I actually thought to the point that I thought the, the clip when they they first switched to Chris Cuomo's face. I thought it was something that somebody had edited in. I didn't know that. Oh, like, you didn't know that it really yeah, happened on live yeah, TV. Yeah, I didn't know that it really happened on live TV. And I was like, this explains why he's looking like, wait, are these tears? Is this dude? Bro, you going to cry? Like, that's what we're doing? Oh, okay. And it just, it was like, it was so, it just was so unexpected. Like, the crying and it was like you could it wasn't like fake tears he like had water coming out yeah he was legit emotional about this yeah i was like you got some other things going on but you know what i don't yeah i don't know it's just weird him his relationship with kim jong-un kim jong-un's obsession with nash rodman um it's like what y'all got going on it was really interesting too because Chris Cuomo asked him, does he understand English? And he said, no. And he, well, he didn't, first off, he didn't say no. He, he kind of like evaded the question. He didn't, he didn't say anything. Um, he kind of talked around it. Then he was like, so, you know, I'm going to ask you again, if, if you were to try to speak to him in English directly, can he understand English? And he said, only if you talk about basketball. What? <laughs> right. And so while, like, you know, obviously there can be translators there, 
I don't know how much of like, because he seemed to be really like, you know, this is my homie and we have a good time. The translator like translating the jokes too. And like, are they coming across the same? Because I, I think on top of a language difference, there's obviously a cultural difference as well. So like, y'all kicking it because y'all homeboys. But you saying like he just understand like if you just talk about basketball but somehow we were you were supposed to be like the liaison like i just don't it's not really it doesn't make sense yeah it's not really adding up i don't really know but but obviously yeah his work meant a lot to him because he was boohoo crying on national tv so and i'm like do you know this man the killer he acting like he's a good man all of them are actually like not, <laughs> I, th- I think it, it is interesting seeing the interviews where you have uh, Trump say things like, oh, you know, he's a he, he's what did he say? He's a sharp guy. He's impressive. And as a country, we we've always been very hard on dictators. We've always had or at least in a public way. um, we've had this kind of general consensus of, you know, the beauty of being in a democracy is that, you know, there's not one person that runs the ship. We don't all answer to just one person. We have all of these freedoms and liberties. And so, you know, to have somebody, our leader say that, Oh yeah, he's a great person. It's like, well, do you realize that he's a dictator fam? Like, do you, how do those two exist together? It's just, I, I don't know. I don't think we're having, as we rarely do, we're not having the right conversations. And then the person that is having the conversations don't seem to be doing what they once said. Like, he was so, so hard on him before. And like, oh, you know, America's going to take the stand and we're just not going to take this. And, and and there's so much force that we, we can use. And we're not, if we're going to force uh, North Korea to, in their new nu- their nuclear mission, I mean their nuclear development, and now it's just kind of like, oh yeah, this is my homeboy, we cool, everything's yeah. all right. It's it's very 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 interesting. I I don't know where our country is headed, to say the least. And, and then the we have that people are saying that they think that he can actually win again. And honestly, if the Democrats don't put up a good candidate. He may win because people just won't go vote, you know. Yeah, I'm. I honestly, and I, I think I said this before, even here, I wouldn't be surprised if he won for an, 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 another term. And I think, for me, having you know, seeing things like this, um, which it's a little, it's a little, a, a little kind of challenging for me because on one end you can see like hey you know North Korea is uh, ridding themselves of nuclear weapons that's great right so that is definitely it's it's a good thing across the board but then I think that you kind of pause and say okay so what comes with this and that, that's just kind of my thing with this administration is like okay so what's going to come with this and what's the back end and maybe the back end is that i get to use this um during the next election cycle to say like here's the work that i've been able to do i've made the country and the world more safe more safe by being able to do this i think that's it but then you start to think about um 
the Kim Kardashian alignment and the, the Kanye West alignment. And to me, it starts to, I, I don't know. It just makes me really uncomfortable because it's like, you know, while we can see that there are things that are good, I think that I don't want people to get so relaxed that we just kind of become complacent because there are other things um i.e. Jeff Sessions <laughs> that are happening that's just not good, right? And and we know that they're not good. And and this is a part of this administration's consistent kind of mishaps and, and, and not considering people of color and people that are really being harmed and affected by the policies that are coming forth. And so I I don't want us to get like confused. I don't want us to take like one good thing or two or three good things as like, oh, we know it ain't that bad. No, it still is that bad. And we still need to be equally as critical and we can, you know, appreciate and say like, hey, kudos for this, this, this good thing that you're doing here. But what about this? And are we going to address immigration in a, a, a meaningful way? in a, a ethical way. Um, are we going to address police brutality in an ethical, considerate way? Or are we going to continue to try to leverage celebrities and their, the people that support them by saying like, oh, I'm aligned with them or they're cool with me or look what I did for them. I scratch your back, you scratch mine, which I kind of really believe that a lot of this comes is, is what it's coming down to. Yeah. And that's how he's used to doing his business. Right. Right. So he's just like, well, it'll work the same way. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It seems like we, we the the only way we might get rid of him in eight years is either if he just, God forbid, I don't wish death on anybody, but if he happens to pass away, uh, because of his poor eating habits, or <laughs> I ain't saying nothing because I am not. <laughs> going to be on the list of investigations no <laughs> i'm saying, not like, no i'm not i'm not i'm, I'm not joking saying, i'm like, messing that's with the you. only way he's gonna be <laughs> he's gonna be gone or um or this Mueller investigation come through and i feel like they're closing in on him i feel like Mueller got that trump card and he's just like you keep playing with me I'm getting my cars in order. Can we just drop it though? <laughs> what are we waiting on, fam? Like, can we just? What's his name? What's his lawyer that's about to turn on him? That they feel might turn on him? Is it Giuliani? Um, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, the one that they was it? No, it what? What's his? It his personal lawyer, or his personal fixing man that they got the stuff on? Oh, I did. See, I saw a headline. I don't know his name. I can't remember it right now, but hopefully he turns on him because I feel like he just got a whole bunch of stuff. They trying to close his uh, charity, his um, Trump foundation. But yeah, it's just it's so much. And on top of that, the baby daddy car is a Target. Yeah, see, Target... (sighs) It does seem like the most random place to find a baby daddy card. Like Target. Target. I honestly, I, you would have thought Walmart, right? Yeah. At least I would have thought Walmart. I would have thought Walmart. I honestly would have thought Walmart. I think that I feel like Target has been so intentional about um, being the bougie version of Walmart. Yeah. And just really trying to attract all, di- like a, multiple different demographics. I remember they had, was it like Lil Uzi Vert or. 
um, it was another one of the guys. It's the other guy with the red hair. I forget his name. But he I have in, no idea what their names are. I just know they all mumble yeah, in their music. He, he was in a Target. Target had like a commercial that came out with all these different art artists and it was like trying to target the young people and all this other stuff. And I feel like Target has always been very intentional about being inclusive and trying to invite people in. So what's interesting is this card to me it has been honestly I just feel like it's in poor taste in general. I've heard people say the argument of like, oh, people are being overly sensitive. It's not that bad. It says baby daddy on the front. But if you open it up, it says like to like my wonderful husband, yada, yada, yada. And uh, it's like, oh, well, you know, if we get over the shock, the initial shock of the, the front of the card, if you open it up, you realize that they're not saying like they're using the term, but the, the inside of the card uh, talks about says that the woman is married. I think for me, what bothers me is that we know that this is a stereotype that other people see about us. And then apparently the woman that posted it, she said out of all of the cards that, that, sh that she saw that was there, the only card that had a black couple represented on it said baby daddy. To me, that's problematic. Um, I just don't think that maybe if they had the same line of cards and it was like multiple couples or the couples were like in the Simpsons color yellow. And so, you know, there's no race that you can identify with, if you will. It's kind of like, oh, it's just a cartoon, whatever. But the fact that this had an obvious black couple with dark skin, black, black couple like hair. <sighs> You know, I just think we have an issue. I think this is something that we should be talking about a little bit more. And it baffles me that people seem to just be like, oh, you know, whatever. It's interesting. I pose a question, pose a question to a few different friends like, hey, you know, um, are we going to are we going to cancel Target? And all but one of them said, absolutely not. <laughs> And it's, it's, it's interesting. It was pretty funny to me because I was like these, I feel like, you know, we all have our things when we have something that we feel very close to and we really love. It's really mm -hmm. hard to pull us from it. Um, and we are not necessarily that we need to cancel Target, but maybe we need to be a little bit more critical. Maybe there's a letter that needs to be written that we need to be like, hey, you know what? You know, I rocks with you, Target, but this is unacceptable. We're not going to do this. Or, you know, let's give a little bit more consideration. While I don't find it completely offensive or completely wrong, I think it's maybe just in poor taste. And maybe we should just be having those conversations with the corporations. I don't I don't I didn't see from my small sample size. I maybe sent it to like seven different friends. And literally, I got one person that said, yeah, I think we might need to have a conversation about this. Everybody else was like, nope, I don't see the problem here. Like, let's keep it moving. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, but is it because it's Target? Like, I think had Walmart done this, would we be really like going in on Walmart? I knew I feel like, yeah, for sure. I would have. What it's I think what's it's like the like Beauty and the Beast picture you sent me with the black man and the white woman. Right. It's like people, in all fairness, people call their husband's baby daddy all the time. Right. And so it's like, well, if it opens up and say to my husband, it's like people do that. Like, that's a thing now. Um, but it's, 
but it's like at the same time it has such a negative connotation in certain spaces that it's like it's like not the best decision but it could go either way right and like when you sent me that beauty and the beast picture for those who don't know what we're talking about it was a picture circulating online with a white woman and a black man that got married and it said beauty and the beast and it's like that doesn't look right but I know a lot of men who refer to their wives as the beauty and they're the beast but they're the same race so right. like, we don't like it's no it's no like we actually celebrate that we're like oh that's so sweet but as soon as we see a black woman a black man and a white woman we like uh uh-uh, uh fam you can't do that And <laughs> yeah no seriously I think it starts the it really that kind of points out how we have to have discussions about and I, I, I really want to maybe we should do that try to find like an interracial couple to just kind of dive into the culture of their relationship because to me I see something like that to me would be just be like no we can't do this like there's certain things just based on the differences of race and not between you and I like I I remember saying like I think that I get why she would be comfortable with doing it because between the two of them the love that they have the relationship they have they can say things like amongst each other and it won't be offensive but I think it's the additional baggage that comes along with it so what how does her family feel about that how are people within her family going to respond to oh they, they're like beauty and the bees and then take that to mean because black men as black men we're already seen as you know hostile and violent and and beastly I, i'll go i go back to when i saw it i go back to the um it was the police chief that said about tamir rice you know people are painting this picture of this docile 12 year old but he looked like when i looked at him he looked like a monster and so I go back to to hearing that and thinking like, so this is the reason that we can't say this kind of stuff, because for somebody, this perpetuates this idea that we are beastly, aggressive monsters. And it really only takes them to have that playful, you know, oh, it's so nice idea of him then. And then when the two of them get into an argument, it becomes, oh, he was overly aggressive and he was upset, yada, yada, yada. So I get like why amongst each other they can have that. I kind of would liken it to like... um a couple engaging with each other and being like, oh, you're so stupid or, ah, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. And it kind of being something that is like, oh, it's just our casual talk. I'm not meaning to say that he or she is stupid. And I'm also not meaning for them to shut up. It's kind of like just an expression that we used in that moment in a playful way. But if you take it outside of that playful way, you also am not, they're not going to let me come in and be like, I'm telling a dude wife, you stupid, shut up. Or being like, shut your stupid mind up. And he'd be like, wait, 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 hold on, bro. That's my wife. Like, we're not going to do that. Like, what? you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. so I, I think it's that it's, it's really, it's really like tight. And I think it's really tight when you do it in a public space to say like, oh, beauty and the beast, because I feel like somebody that she's even close to, not even just like random internet trolls, but people that they're close to could take that and to kind of make it to justify it, to use that. And it's like, we already are dealing with this idea of people not seeing our humanity and looking at us as animals. You know, I don't think it's good for us to, to post that type of thing. I just don't think so. This is me personally. I don't think that's it. Yeah, definitely. It's like knowing the nuances of your relationship when you decide to make that, um, in the interracial couple it's like you lose certain freedoms that you would have 
um, if especially you publicly too. Because I, yeah. I think it's different. I, th- I think privately, I def- you yeah. Can yeah, I think there's a difference because, and and maybe it's not fair. And that's why I say maybe we should really talk to an interracial couple because perhaps it's not fair to have to code switch, if you will, in that way. But I do think that there's a way that certain you guys can maybe engage engage with each other and be comfortable in a private space, but doing that public publicly is going to kind of garner all these opinions and thoughts and feelings and it actually may do more damage to your relationship or damage to other relationships like yours that I just I think is just kind of you don't want to do as in poor taste so yeah yeah you know it's also an interesting I won't say poor I'll say interesting because I was about to say in poor taste um Nicki Minaj's comments in about her and her uh, creating kind of a culture where women aren't valuing um, themselves like they should and showing their bodies and I'm just like Nikki I don't know if you should carry that weight on your shoulders Um, because there's that's most of the artists out uh, (laughs) are dressing the same way so I don't think people just I don't know. It just seemed like I'm, I'm not sure. And maybe it's because of me, just the person I am. I'm, I don't know how many women just decided to dress provocatively because of Nicki Minaj. Yeah, I think that her cause I, I think her statement was something along the lines of like, you know, she realized that strippers and like the Instagram girls as beautiful as they are, she didn't realize that they would, for the right amount of money, they would like give themselves up to men. And so, or just give themselves up in general. I don't think she said men, but just give themselves up in general. So it's like, if you give them enough money, they'll have sex with you. And she want she believes that, but you know, people been doing that though. Right. <laughs> she, <laughs> right. She feels like, uh, they should value themselves more. And she feels you know, sorry for whatever role she's had and kind of influencing them. And I, I don't know. I, I like Nicki Minaj. Um, and so I don't want to, it almost seems in, it seems inauthentic to me because it seems like she is like reaching for strings of, why want people to view me this way? Because maybe in the way that people have viewed me or the way that the mainstream public has kind of been open to me before, you know, I don't really have, and I'm going to say she doesn't have that lane, but maybe they're not going to be as open to her that way. So it's like, Oh, let me be a little bit more clothed. Now. Um, I think we also have to acknowledge this is after the paper magazine, issue that that came out when it was like really provocative and people were talking about it and she was justifying it and so now we see this like um switch and change of heart that says oh you know well i just didn't realize that girls were giving themselves like were so easily purchased and all this i I just I don't really think it's uh, to me. It seems like you're there. There's another motive here, right? Something else is trying to be at play. So it's like, let me try to become in this time of, and I hate doing this comparison. And honestly, y'all don't like, you know, go in on me for doing this comparison. Cause I really don't like the comparison of female rappers, 
But I feel like in the time where there's another rapper, I'm not going to even say her name. I'm saying there's another rapper that seems to okay. have. You say what? I did her little thing. Oh. Okay. Is it? <laughs> I don't even know how to do it. <laughs> but I think in the time where there's another rapper that seems to have like that young lane, if you will, that is about having a good time and partying and stuff like that. I feel like in this era where it seems that people may want to count their age Nicki Minaj out, not that they should or not that she deserves it, but it seems like she kind of is coming about of like, oh, let me be like a voice of reason and like, oh, you know, we can we can have fun, but we also have to like respect our bodies and realize that we can be clothed and we don't have to be scantily dressed. And it's kind of like, ah. I mean, but she's still scantily. Yeah, like, That's I what the thing is. If you change your whole get up, it wouldn't. It might make sense, but you still continue to sh- to do the same. Your, your get up is the same. So what? Why are you even talking? Yeah, I, I think it. I think it would just be a little bit more believable had she done this at like the height of her career. And I do think that she's trying to say that the bo- the two can exist. Um, I, I honestly, I didn't read the, I don't even know if the, the magazine's out, the whole article, but it was like, obviously, you know, a lot of outlets were circulating like sound bites of, I mean, just kind of snippets of what the article said. And so I don't know. I think I got the feeling that she's trying to say that the two can exist together. Um, but I think it's just a little, yeah, it just seems a little not really believable. <laughs> it seems it's not very believable in that, you know, at the height of, you know, the second album, like at the Anaconda, the Anaconda season, when this was like a big thing, while I think that she can fully, you know, embrace her sexuality and want to do that, I think having her say like, yo, I kind of realized that maybe people are thinking that because sex sells that you actually got to give sex and it's like no this is like a image of and this is the fantasy and this is kind of me expressing this one part of me but there is a completely other side of me um that you didn't see on stage you didn't see in the magazine but i also want to talk about that as well and let you know that it's okay to be there i feel like if those two were going at the same time it's fine but now it seems like hey we haven't seen nikki in a minute she kind of took this little this hiatus she's coming back out um and now she's kind of trying to make like this conscious statement which isn't bad and it's it's cool and i guess you know it's necessary because i'm sure there are people that younger people that need to hear that that look up to her but it just seems a bit inauthentic because it seems like the timing of this is a little off yeah yeah i think yeah like they're i don't know and i think you know i do think that people seeing people they look up to wear kind of revealing clothes and seems seeming to get more attention can motivate them to do it and it might not be a personal decision they wanted they might just have personal insecurities and they want attention i get that but i don't know like you said if nikki is really authentic with this yeah you know and that's and i think that's where we're at with it It was like the message is not entirely bad right but is this a publicity stunt or right are you a kim kardashian us are you actually do you actually care yeah i i 
<laughs> not mad at the comparison at all. <laughs> not <laughs> mad at the comparison at all. I just said that because you know Kim is on this new thing and getting people out of prison. So really yeah. left feel that I which is a feel whole other conversation. A friend of mine and I had this really really long conversation about that, which <laughs> I feel like we could talk for days about it. Um, so yeah, I completely understand the comparison. Completely <laughs> comparison, like. <laughs> Maybe, it's you know a good what? thing, but we just don't understand why you though. You have yeah. to. Oh, I feel like the <laughs> one of the things I'll say this real fast. One of the things I was telling my friend is you have to ask why, specifically when it comes to somebody that has that is famous for being famous that has made their their empire built their empire on kind of exploiting things that happen in their lives in their life and their personal life, things that oftentimes people be like, Oh, that's real personal. Um, and they're just like, Oh no, you know, just an open book. And you also start to see that with them being this quote unquote open books and so much stuff happens. He keeps writing like, you know, bigger checks, 19 million, 20 million, like, and they get more seasons of the show. One really has to say, so what's really happening here? And I think it's fair. And I think it's, it's you know, we can say it's an amazing thing. I think it's an amazing thing. I think it's great. You know, it's no matter what it is, motive or no motive, the fact that she did it is great. But we have to take a moment to say, okay, so what's going on in the background, fam? But you yeah, know what? We're going to make a, a nice good season of the show. Uh, she's a at the workout. wonderful season. Like, I mean, I even want to watch and I don't even watch the show. Like, I just think. Because it's good TV. If she got to get those cameras TV. in the White House. I, good for TV. I, I really, yeah, that's that's really what it is. You know, it's just like when they were helping Lamar. It just seemed like the most interesting things happened in their life that could be really good for television. You said it. I didn't have to. (laughs) (laughs) But we've been here for a minute. So y'all hit us up and let us know what y'all think about this week's Mimosas and Orange Juice. As always, you guys can find us on Twitter at Brunch Culture and on Instagram at Brunch underscore culture. And you can uh, engage with us yeah, on Twitter and Instagram on our social medias and use the hashtag ChatBC. And we will be back for our main dish. And we are back for our main dish. Today's main dish, we're kind of going to talk about what's been going on in culture with suicide. Um, Randall posed this question as we were preparing for the show, is suicide selfish? And with the recent deaths of Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade and looking at like, I don't, did Anthony leave a letter? I I haven't heard. No, I don't. Yeah, I didn't. I haven't heard that he's left one he's left a letter um which could feed into the at the conversation about it being selfish because we don't know why he did what he did so it kind of leaves the um it's like dang we we everybody thought you was good from what i've heard people was like it kind of took them off guard mm-hmm. um and you didn't even leave an explanation so it's like dang like at least it was a note so we'll know you know um but Kate Spade left a note and, you know, she was having issues in her marriage. Her husband said they had been living separately for a while 
they kind of, you know, fluctuate their daughter kind of lived between the two the houses that weren't far from um each other and you know she told her daughter apologized to her daughter and her note and then you know was like you know ask your dad and so it's like man you you left um and which was really interesting and it's like when people tell you like check on your strong friend you see those memes going around and it was like man these people her dad said he had spoke to her just like some hours before I guess she made the decision and she was talking about going on a trip so it's like you could really be in constant communication with a person and still not know right. like that they're gonna they could you know talk about stuff they're gonna do in the future and throw you completely off it's really kind of hard to you know know what a person's gonna do if they don't want you to know um, because a part of you know the a part of like wrestling with depression is making yourself distant from other people. So it's kind of hard unless you're with people on a daily basis to, to know that. And I'm talking about with them in person. Right. So like people like check on your strong friend and they text them and be like, you all right, fam. I'm just like, I don't know if that's going to really yeah. do the trick. Do you know how this works? <laughs> like, right. Right. <laughs> People can't. Hide. You have to like physically be around somebody sometimes to know the signs or you know be in the environment. Um, because texting you can hide behind that, you know, All just day. anyway. But yeah. So how do you feel about? I know I gave that intro that really didn't have that much to do with the first <laughs> question, but it's just things that were coming to my mind as I was thinking processing this. Um, but do you think that suicide is selfish or? Why do you think people even think it's selfish? So I think that um, when we talk about suicide, first off, I can say, and, and I actually thought about this from just conversations that I've been having. I think that it, it's a selfish act. Um, I definitely think that suicide is a selfish act. I think in that moment, and the reason I say I'll give more context, the reason I say that it's a selfish act, because there are so many people that are affected and that will have questions and that will want to, to want to have been there, wanted to have stopped you. And that probably and that in many cases do love you that don't want to see this happen. And so it's selfish to not consider them. But I say that and I also think that um saying that you you kind of we can't just say that it's selfish and kind of put a blame on a person because in that way they are a victim um and and they're a victim of being depressed they're a victim of not being able to see themselves out of whatever circumstances or hurt that they're in that causes them to take their own life and so i think in saying that that's kind of where for me it's like while i do think that the act in itself is selfish i think you know context is king when you consider the weight and the the severity of depression you start having to recognize that they didn't do it because they were only thinking about themselves um in their mind right and in, in, in that space in that really dark space they're thinking about everything and everybody else and thinking about how maybe in some cases that they can remove themselves from the situation um, so that other people don't have to deal with it so that they don't have to be a burden to other people. Um, 
I've never, I don't think I've ever really talked about this on the show, but like I had like a really, really dark time in college. Um, and I was in a very, very dark place to kind of be in the same situation without going too deep into it. And I know that for me, my mindset wasn't, there was no, because of what I was facing and dealing with, there was no, no way that in my mind, it made sense that anybody else could care about my existence or not. Um, and, and, you know, being removed from it, telling close friends and family members about the experience and then being like, oh my gosh, like, no, you were so important to me and I loved you and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, all of those things sound great, but in that space, none of that meant anything. Right. And, and it, it, it was a place of kind of being isolated, um, for a long time and not really being able to articulate or to to get out of my feelings and so that's why i say i i can i i believe you know years after or kind of being removed from that dark place that suicide in itself is selfish but i think when you consider the the state of mind that the person is we can't put the weight of that selfish act on them because they are not themselves um they are not you know the the jovial person or the person that was is just kind of you know has the right tools to to deal with or to cope they really are um just a completely different dark person in a dark space that can't see themselves out of that and so i think that when we have conversations about suicide for people that are quick to say that you know that's selfish or you know especially especially in like kate spade's situation where people say oh did she consider her daughter how could she do this and not consider the life that her daughter would have honestly she probably was considering the life that her daughter could have and consider the fact that who she was how she was in that dark and depressive state and not being able to get out of it what that would do to her daughter with her being there so it's almost it could have been um you know this idea that if i just remove myself from the situation this sets her up to have a better life perhaps this sets her up to have a better mom i know that um it said that she her suicide came as or her depression came as a result of her going through a divorce potentially she could have thought like maybe me not being here leaves room for somebody else to come in and give her all of the things that I can't give her. Like, and there's so many things that could have been going on at that time that I think, you know, making a statement of, of suicide being selfish is not, we can't just stop there. We have to also think about, you know, the state of mind of that person. And then in terms of us dealing with it and in terms of us as, you know, people that are trying to be support systems or having people that we're connected to that we love and care about, we have to think about it, you know, and be sensitive to their, their, their mindset, their mindset, their mental state. Like, you know, this is not the person we're not dealing with the person that we were probably just going out and hang out with and laugh with, or the person that I have like this long extensive history with, or to, to go back to like the strong friend, I'm not dealing with the strong friend that can handle everything in this moment. Um, I'm dealing with the friend that has been trying constantly because they are the quote unquote strong friend that's been trying constantly to manage this space or this feeling uh, that they have in this mindset, but they can't. And so 
I'm no longer dealing with the strong friend. I'm dealing with the, the friend that needs help. I'm dealing with the endangered friend. I'm dealing with the friend that really needs, you know, some sort of uh, help to get them out of that space. And the the help that they needed, the right help for the right person, it, it varies and it's just really different things. So. Um, yeah, I think I don't think that when we answer the question of to answer the question of like, is it suicide selfish? I think that it is, but I think that we can't look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, to your point about I saw a friend of mine get upset about the strong friend comment because it's like, I think there's different levels of strength. So when I right. think somebody's strong, I'm honestly only identifying a certain dynamic of them right. or a certain attribute they have because nobody's strong in every area. Right. So it could be just a friend that seems like the life of the party. And sometimes the people that are the life of the party are the weakest emotionally. Right. Um, and so it's like, it's there's really no, the right context for that. I think is it's hard. Um, because there's really no strong person across the board. You're only seeing what you call strength. Another person may be saying, oh, no. We know people like that, that we'd be like, people look up to them and we'd be like, uh, no. They jacked up. Or, <laughs> or, you know, some people look up to me in certain areas and then I have areas that are not as great as the area people might look up to me in. So it's kind of like, yeah, that's a strength. But I have a weakness here. So it's kind of like, depending on what side you're looking at, I might be weak or strong. So it's exactly. really <laughs> It's your perception or what level you you know me at. Because the deeper you know people, you realize that everybody weak. In some area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we're not. And I think we, we have a tendency as people. And I think this is kind of what kind of promotes or perpetuates isolation um depression not being able to self-analyze and really be able to to verbally say that i need help and what's going on we have a tendency to just think that people are good in every area because they're good in one area or they're Mm -hmm. good in a public space and so you know from potentially especially with money when we have people that have money or that have attained some sort of, uh, you know, public recognition. We think that they're good, um, especially mm-hmm. people that do that attain that way and not a entertainment way. I think that because, you know, social media has made people popular. I don't want to say easily, but, you know, we have a lot of different people that ha- that have attained a level of like social media su- success. I think we can kind of look at those people and still view them as human but i think it's the people that are your your politicians the people that seem a little larger than life your entertainers your major entertainers the people that seem so far away from you and that have so much going on we think that they have you know just everything in line and like everything is so good and if they do have a problem their money can buy them help right i've even i know that i've definitely even used that statement you ain't got no real problems for real you got Whatever problems you have, call somebody, you can pay somebody and they can fix it for you. But the truth of the matter is that's not true. Like they have the same struggles that we have. And in and in some cases, because of 
the general like expectation of our minds is that people are just fine because they've quote unquote made it. We separate ourselves from them. So we're not thinking about having, you know, intimate conversations with them. We're not thinking about, hey, like, let's just spend time existing together. Like, or let's just have a conversation about your thoughts on your day or your thoughts on your relationship with your mom, your dad, your best friend, whatever. Like, we're not we're not thinking of doing that people around them probably aren't thinking of doing that because the people around them are likely working for them. And so Mm -hmm. there is this, we kind of create this environment where probably the most vulnerable people are the most known, the most Mm -hmm. vulnerable people are the most successful um, because they find themselves being alone in their thoughts, feeling like, you know, everybody around them wants something or they have to meet a certain standard. They have to uphold a certain image. Um, I can only, that's what happened. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's what happened with Kate Spade. Her sister said that Kate has been going through emotional issues for a long time, but she feared what people would think and what it would do to her image. If she addressed those publicly and even was kind of afraid to like get the help she needed because of the popularity and the fame she had and that's it that speaks to exactly what you're saying yeah and it honestly it makes perfect sense though because people have built so her livelihood was built on a brand it's built mm-hmm. on a who, lifestyle brand. a lifestyle right it's built on who the public knows her to be and so when that is somehow infiltrated or, sh- or shaken and not what the expectation is I can we can only imagine that the person goes through some sort of like change and 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 not everybody is able to deal with that because you think about this this will affect my life this will affect my family's life this will affect my child's life I'm trying to do this to further you know to better myself but also to further my family and to to kind of set my family my entire family up so it's like I got the weight of all of these people on on my on my shoulders and truthfully i'm not the person that has the public has believed me to be or my situation is no longer the way that the public thought it was and so i could potentially lose all of this just thinking about it you know theoretically that's that's hard you know like how i i can't even imagine that i think that one of the things that i i remember growing up and i always wanted to be i was like oh i want to be an entertainer i want to be an entertainer i was like just enthralled with celebrities and i thought it was so uh, so amazing um but i think that as i started to grow i realized the struggles that they had some of my favorite groups or my favorite celebrities or entertainers thankfully would start to talk about you know the struggles that they had being in the limelight or how you know their best friends and them fell out or you know they they lost loved ones family members and relationships and stuff like that and it kind of made me think like dang like i always thought this was so amazing but I don't know how I feel about it now. And it's like, yo, as just a a regular citizen, you have the luxury of privacy. And Mm -hmm. so because of that, you can go through things and realize, honestly, if I gain 10 pounds this month and then lose 20 pounds next month outside of my, you know, 
crazy family being like, you sure you ain't on nothing? Don't nobody really care. But imagine if I've built my brand on fitness, right? Mm -hmm. And I just went through a very dark time and I gained a bunch of weight. Well, people not buying my stuff no more, right? I can't Mm -hmm. talk about my fitness in that way. And so I'm losing money. And that's not only affecting me, but that's affecting my employees, my family. It's everybody that's around me. It's not going to be the same. Like, I don't have... How do I manage this? You know, like I can't do that. And so I feel like there's this trade off of being famous, if you will, that you give up a degree of privacy. But what that does is it makes you more susceptible to having mental like a mental breakdown and having all these like mental struggles that you may not be able to get through, depending on like your own the own skills that you have. And then just the people that you have around you, like it's not as it's not as glamorous as we think. And I think we kind of society just kind of creates a space where those people can be harmed even more because we all think that they good because they got money or people know them like, Oh, can't be too much wrong with you. Like, yeah, you gotta be fine. Yeah. And that is indeed where the problem lies in, because then that's more pressure on you because I think what's interesting about the Kate Spade thing is that it was her husband's idea for her to to start with the bags. Like, she didn't even... That wasn't, like, an idea she had. It wasn't, wow. like, necessarily her passion. And so, you know, there's certain, so many levels that could go into that. Like, you know, you pushed me to this, and now um, we're not together, and I'm still in it. But I'm not... I'm in it with a person that didn't help me get started, you know? Right, right. We're still like in business together in a sense, but we're not together together. So, and if she had those already had those tendencies as far as you know struggling with mental illness, it's kind of like you know that could be an extra layer of it's like man, this kind of just magnified. You know, if you're dealing with if she's been if this is something that's been a lifelong struggle for her. Mm-hmm this only magnifies it for you. This doesn't help you at all. Right. (laughs) And so, you know, it's just interesting. But you know, a question that I have been talking about with people is, is every time somebody commits suicide, is it mental illness? And um, it's kind of a hard question to answer because for many, like you can't, if you don't see any signs beforehand, you don't, you can't ask them, after they did it, you know, because they're gone. Like, there's no evaluation process. But is it always, do you think it's always mental illness when a person kills themselves? Or are they, could they just be, you know, just on some other stuff? So, you know, I, I really struggle because I think that we when we think of mental illness, uh, the first thing that we all go to is depression. It's just like, oh, they depressed, they depressed, they depressed. To me, I think that maybe you aren't depressed, but just kind of like wanting the attention of somebody that too in that space and wanting it so bad that it causes you to make a statement by taking your life. I think that that is a form of mental illness and I wouldn't know what to diagnose it as or to call it. But to me, like something is not right. So one of the reasons, did you ever watch the show 13 reasons why on Netflix? Mm -mm, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So I, I started watching. I just couldn't watch it. There's a number of 
we could actually probably do like 10 episodes on why I don't like that show. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things for me, and I didn't watch the whole season and I know people, the whole first season, I know they, they have a second season. They just got approved for a third season. Um, and I know a lot of people say you got to watch the whole thing in order to get it. Yada, yada, yada. One of the things for me that was the reason that I, I just refused to watch it was it almost felt like in watching it that her committing suicide was punishing them. And she was saying that it's your fault. It's this person's fault and that person's fault and that person's fault. And these are all the things that you guys did that led to my suicide, my suicide. And I want to leave these tapes behind so you guys understand what happened. And you can kind of sit with that guilt of it's your fault that I died. And it's that part of it to me that just seems like not necessarily that is glorified, but it really is like using something so severe as taking your own life and using it as a weapon to kind of hurt somebody else. And, and it seems a bit attention seeking, but it also seems like, you know, this is just a very twisted way of reprimanding people that I don't like and it's not comfortable with me. And I'm all I'm not comfortable with it being in that space. So I feel like with that character, um, I could say that, you know, I think that maybe she was a little mentally ill, but I, I, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't think that, or at least from what I saw, it didn't seem that she was depressed because she crafted, she went out and recorded these tapes in like the spaces and they were very specific. Like each tape had like a person's name on it. So she was very like calculated and thought out in doing this to prove a point to each individual person but nowhere through that process did it click or dawn on her that hey me actually taking my life would affect all of these people in maybe like an irreparable way like they're not going to be able to get over this you know what i'm saying because i i feel that i have your blood the blood of your life on my hands and that's forever i can't get rid of that because you're done i just I, that part i i don't i really really don't like it and so i think that i can say like hey you know mentally something's not there because your life is permanent these situations are not permanent this feeling that you have is not permanent that's why i'll say like oh you know i think there is some sort of like mental illness to that but i don't think that that is equivalent to being depressed um at least in in the way that i'm thinking about this show um from what i saw i don't think that that's equivalent to being depressed because to me i just don't i don't know that you're you're it takes it had to take months for her to do this so it's like you're planning to me you're planning your suicide for months um i think that from what I, I what I know about people that do like people have tried to commit suicide and they've been unsuccessful, but there's something that pulls them back um, or at least they realize that they weren't able to do it. And it's not something that they are trying to say, like, oh, well, you know what? Let me like call in Billy and let me schedule this up with Billy. And then if I can get uh, Jasmine in and if I can get Tommy in, if I can get Gloria in and I can get all these people in and I can, you know, show them not that like I'm trying to commit suicide at all these times, but like I'm preparing for this one time that I'm going to try and I'm going to be successful at doing it. And I'm going to leave these tapes behind. Like, it just seems like this is a little 
it's that part that's uncomfortable for me. Um, and I don't know. I think that I think we could call it like a mental illness, but I don't really know that it is the same weight as somebody being like depressed and doing it or somebody really not being able to escape their situation um, and just really just trying to prove a point to people, which to me is not. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's it's so complex. You know, I remember when um, we had a family friend that committed suicide and it was like a little over a year ago and it just really it threw everybody off. But then it was just like. But we saw that he had been like kind of in the dark, you know, in in a dark space he wasn't the last time we saw him he wasn't necessarily like seemed the most upbeat but he did always kind of have a melancholy personality right so it's like you can't really tell like you know i'm a person that is not very expressive emotionally you know i'm just not, that's just not me doesn't matter if i'm extremely excited or sad i'm probably not gonna have I'm probably going to have a consistent emotion. So you're not going to know. And so it's just, it's very hard, you know, when you're engaging people like that. But right. I, I, going back to like whether mental illness is like the necessarily a choice is the culprit for every, every suicide. It's like, is it the buzzword? You know, when we hear like, of it goes back to like people's challenge with like saying all school shootings are mental illness, you know? Right. Right. And we're like, Oh no, that's your scapegoat to, to see that, you know, this person is actually, they were very conscious of what they were doing. And so then you have people that are kill themselves. You know, we have suicide bombers. We have people that do it for, you know, malicious reasons to hurt other people intentionally. We have people that do it because they are trying to get out of situations where they've done bad stuff and they don't want to suffer the consequences of for those things. So they just take their own life to escape those consequences. So, um, yeah, uh, it's so many different dynamics. But in the, I think Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain's case, we definitely could see, you know, well, not in Anthony. It's 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 just it strikes me, and I guess that's what we were talking about earlier, like celebrities. People talked about like how excited about life he was, and right. then his show just it's like you see that coming like permeating throughout his show, and then you see like he's on this journey and he's having so much fun. And we think, man, if I only had his life, I saw numerous people saying, man, Anthony Bourdain was living the life I wanted. Yeah. Cause you're and, traveling, and- you're getting paid. Somebody is paying you and paying for all expenses pay to travel, to learn different cultures. One of my friends and I, when it first came out, we were talking and we, we started to talk about, wow, we think that the answer to, elevating our mindset to elevating you know our lives is travel right going to experience Mm -hmm. different cultures learning about different people expanding your mind realizing that your way of life your beliefs are not the only way um and i think that oftentimes especially as people from the south southern southern americans we have a tendency to really only view the the world through our own lens and think that anything that's remotely different is just wrong and so our standard of 
kind of having a better life and escaping, you know, depression, escaping poverty is to be able to travel and expose yourself to different things. Here is somebody that their life was doing that. And it's like, whoa, it really makes you like just kind of take it back. It, it kind of jacked up my whole way of thinking because I was like, man, this is somebody that I would expect to have an understanding of, you know, depression. I would expect to know how like depression or whatever it is can can lead to suicide. I would expect them to have a a, a very healthy understanding of suicide and and what happens when a person commits suicide what happens to you know their their family what happens to their their uh co-workers their jobs whatever like everybody that touches your life i would expect this person to have a healthy understanding of that and so because of that healthy understanding this would not be an option for them. And then this was an option. And this is an option for somebody that is on CNN, like a huge station that so many people follow. And they've had a career of being on um, the travel channel and all of these different things. Like he's, he's been a chef and he's a chef and he's built this career. It's, it's not something that we would expect. And so it kind of jacks up what I thought was kind of the answer to getting out of that. I thought that, you know, people have people want to commit suicide when they can't see themselves out of a situation well this is a person that knew that he was at least physically going to be out of a situation right um and i would think just from the exposure to different types of people and cultures that you also knew that you know spiritually mentally emotionally you'll be out of whatever situation it was so it's kind of it's one of those things that it just kind of like jacked it really jacked me up because it's like this is what you would think the ideal life is. Maybe if you're not a person that wants to travel, but you, I think everybody can agree that kind of being paid to a eat <laughs> and b give comments on like eating and different experiences seems to be perfect, especially for us millennials. Like that's what we doing. Like, that's what we mm-hmm. want to do. Like you, you're going to definitely pay give credence to though. Bow Wow's thing when he was on breakfast club and said he did everything. Like he's traveled the world a couple times. And it's like, what are you talking about? Bow Wow? still much more to do. And it sounded crazy when he said it, but now like that Anthony Bourdain has taken his life. It kind of connects the dots in that way. It kind of, I don't know. That's why a just good point. No, 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 that's, that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. That's a really good point. Like it does. Like we, I think we kind of like look at Bow Wow in like this joking way. And I remember listening to Jermaine Dupri say like, you know, when you talk about the legends and the greats, they're, they're older, uh, like adult grown guys that haven't done half of what Bow Wow has done. And he is done that at such, by such a young age. And so we kind of like joke about it, but for him, he probably feels like he's done everything. What mm-hmm. else is there to do? I've been everywhere. I've, you know, had people scream and faint. Girls used to faint for me. People used to faint for Michael Jackson. Like I've had that Michael Jackson experience. What else is there for me to do? And honestly, until you just made that connection, I didn't even th- think about that. But that's, yeah, that's true. Like that's that's really big. Yeah, it's like wow, you really do think like wow, you wh- why would you do that? And then he's like. But what is there to do? I think about like something simple. If you're from Jacksonville, 
and like me and Randall, you know, like going to Orlando is nothing. Like that's where people go. And this is like when people are from like the north and they're like, Oh, we going to Orlando. It's just like, oh, okay. Oh, like right. I already done that so many times. And right. you it's like but everybody else who lives far from Florida thinks it's this big thing, but once you've already done it multiple times, it's like I don't want to do that. And so I couldn't imagine having that feeling for every place, you know, yeah, yeah. in the world. Like Oh, I already did that, fam. Like, well, do it again for what? Like, <laughs> and I and and I think too, if if you think about a lot of the ways, and this honestly, I just thought about this as you were talking. A lot of the ways that many of us probably get out of our dark and depressive moments, or or just kind of like sad moments, right? Down moments is ambition and dreaming and and dreaming of a day where our situation is going to be different and dreaming of the day where we will be able to kick back on a beach somewhere uh you know three weeks a month and just relax where our money is making money for us or whatever it is like we can retire and all of this stuff but imagine having all of that and still not being like mentally okay or emotionally okay I think that it it challenges that that with Anthony Bourdain, the, the Bow Wow situation, it really challenges how we find stability emotionally, mentally, yeah, yeah. escape. Yeah, it, it, it just kind of challenges how we find that, because I know my, for myself, I've I've looked at certain situations and been down and I've always I've had a tendency to see myself outside of that and be like, okay, so one day I'm going to be over this one day. I'm going to, you know, have a better uh, position or have a better position in life or be successful in this area, in this area. I've even had to check myself. And this just reminded me a lot of times that I escaped, like the, the troubles of my childhood was by dreaming of being successful and what my definition of success was then. And it's interesting because in this moment, I'm thinking about it like, wow, even that is not good because what if I keep dreaming about all of these things of quote unquote success and those things don't come and the feelings are still there, then I can't, then what do I do? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like you just backed yourself into a dead end. And at that point you feel like nothing's out. Cause it's like, Oh, I've been trying for this one thing for so long. And I ain't there. Like, how do you, how do you get there? You know? So yeah, it's crazy because as you, as you're talking about that, like, I remember TD Jake saying like, what do you anticipate success to feel like? Like, what do you think it should feel like? And he was like, whatever you think it should feel like, it's never going to feel like that. And most people become depressed when they get the success they wanted because it never feels like what they wanted it to feel like. Right. Um, it, I think it a certain level of completeness and it, it's really it's so funny because a lot of things that I've been pushing for I was just telling somebody this the other day a lot of things I was pushing for is happening but it doesn't feel like I thought it would feel right. and I'm just like now I gotta get to the next milestone right. and it's like if I keep living like that then I'll get to a place where there's nothing left to achieve and then it's like well now what now what like, yeah because i didn't even enjoy the ride i remember diddy saying that he missed most of his great moments because he was plotting for his next move yeah 
and I've I've definitely know what that is. <laughs> I feel like that is. I, we've, I feel like we've talked about it on the show, you know, before. Like that's a young professional's everyday life. Yeah, I was gonna say that is really our life in so many ways. Like we have these great things. We have these moments where these things that you know we just we want it so bad at once upon a time. And it was like, oh, I just want to get there. I just want to get there. And then you're there and you're living in it and you're excelling at it. And it's like, wait, so so what's next? And, and now I was having a conversation this past weekend and I was telling somebody about, you know, what I'm do, what I do like professionally and what I've been able to do and kind of like, you know, things that I'm doing on the side and after all of this mouthful of stuff that I've said, they said, what's next? And immediately there was this feeling of like, dang, I got to like, you reminded me that there's still so much more I got to do. And like, what am I doing? And I kind of started to put pressure on myself after that, immediately after that conversation of like, okay, you got to go and you got to push here. and You got to do this. You got to do this. And it was like, no, no, <laughs> like no. What's next? I don't know what's next at this moment, right? Like I'm really trying to to focus on this. I'm trying to hone this thing, but you know, we'll see. And that's okay. But I think as young professionals, that is scary as heck to be like, I don't know what's next, and I don't see next on the horizon at this moment. Like, mm-hmm. wait, what? And you know what's crazy? It's like when you are successful and people feel like they're not doing a lot, they want to push you to your next because subconsciously they're living vicariously through you. Right. And I think that could happen a lot of times in our families, with our friendship relationships, especially if you're the most successful person in your circle or successful person in your family. People are pushing you to your to another height. Or what's next? Because they're trying to achieve subconsciously through you. Yeah. And that happens a lot of time with black young professionals, especially. All right. Yeah. This is this has really been a. I honestly didn't expect me to have all these like aha moments in this conversation, but I really feel like it's just we just kind of brought out a lot just from talking about, it. and it's really interesting too. And this is why I'm glad that we had this conversation. Um, is that I think, again, it's very easy for us to say, you know, somebody committed suicide because of mental health issues. And so if we're if I'm going to see a therapist, I'm fine. Right. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 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 addressing my mental health. But it's not just that. Right. It, that's not. Yeah. And the crazy side note before I'm sorry to interrupt, but suicide, more people are going to therapy It's more trendy than ever. Right. We're proponents of it. We talk about it all the time. I have I have one that I see once a week for my own personal uh just to be strong mentally, physically and emotionally. Um and it's trendy, but it's the suicide rates are going up and yeah, not down. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's cuz we have this like blanket approach to oh yes, yeah, mental health people are depressed, people are depressed and not again, not realizing that there's so many other things that go into it and and we don't feel depressed but as we talked about it before if we keep mentally setting ourselves up to be successful and we're going to feel this way or we're going to have this and life is going to be this way once we reach quote unquote success but when we reach it and it don't happen then we don't feel differently than what happens at that point what's our out or if we don't reach that definition of success that we had and there's no you know 
and we've been trying for 800 years and that's just not the level of success we were supposed to have. Our success was supposed to look like this or we're supposed to find success in this other area, which we did. What do we do then? Like what's what if we still feel the same way as we did in those dark moments? I think that is something that we don't consider. We don't talk about. We don't think about. And I'm I'm really glad that we brought the the conversation here to brunch culture, because I think that that's something that as young professionals, we have to be mindful of. We are so success driven. We are so prone to um, just trying to, you know, making sure that we're doing all the things. So being trendy of, Hey, I got a therapist. I'm happy that I just found a therapist and I'm really excited. And so like, you know, I'm like, Oh, I got a therapist too. But having the therapist is not the only answer, right? Like, mm-hmm. And that's not just it. Like you can have the therapist, but it's other things in your life that you got to be doing. And we don't talk about that. And so I'm glad that we just, we just recognize that. It's crazy. Cause before we end my, my, this just came to my thought. I asked my therapist that question. I was like, how is it? that suicide rates are going up and more people are in therapy and she was like just because they're in it doesn't mean they're doing the work yeah and so it's like she was like it may be trendy but a lot of people come to me and they don't want to do the work to deal with these issues and so they're just coming but they don't want to do it's like you going to school you can enroll in school and but if you're not going to do the homework you're yeah. not going to graduate yeah. <laughs> and so she's like people are coming but they're not doing the work because the work is painful And it takes time to look at yourself and look at situations that you're not comfortable with. Right. And so they just come and that's how to say they did it. So I was like, wow. That's really dope. Well, we, we, you you guys definitely hit us up and and let us know what your, uh, your, what your thoughts are on suicide and, and mental health. And just also let's share some tips of things that you're doing to like, keep yourself emotionally, spiritually, physically sound. Um, use the hashtag chat BC, hit us up on Twitter at brunch culture on Instagram at brunch underscore culture. And we will be back with our toast to roast. All right, we're back with our toast or roast. Um, this week, I am going to be toasting to uh, a book that I've actually had in Audible for a while now, probably since it came out. I used like my, my free Audible credits to get it, and I hadn't listened to it until I was just driving back to D.C. from Florida. And it is Charlemagne the God's book, Black Privilege, Opportunity Comes to Those Who Create It. Um I'm listening to the audio, the audio version of it. And honestly, this book has been incredible. Surprisingly to me, honestly, I, I didn't really have much expectations from it. To be quite honest, I thought I was going to listen to it for about 20 minutes and then cut it off because of boredom. And I think that I expected this book to be written for really young people, almost like teenage age, like high school graduates, um and people that just wanted to be like radio jockeys in entertainment and i thought it was going to be kind of like a lot of oh you know if you want to be successful you just have to wake up and work hard like i really thought it was going to be very simple stuff and there's there's a part of like listening to the book i think it 
it's trying to speak to those very young people too but i think there's a lot of nuggets and tools in here that are universal and that no matter what career field you're in, you're in what no matter what area you're in honestly even as podcasters i feel like he gave a lot of nuggets and a lot of things that kind of like check me up and i also like the way and the language that he uses um it is very charlemagne just talking to you as charlemagne and 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 using um his normal southern twang and and curse words and things that you know i identify with (laughs) and so i feel like this is kind of like somebody that you know has found success in a a non-conventional way but still in a conventional way if that makes any sense and they're basically sharing their story but they're also giving you a lot of tools that you can use in every aspect of life and just kind of challenging you to be better challenging you to not you know talk about something and really be about it um to say that you you want something and then to really just put a mirror up in your face and say, okay, so you say you want it. So where is it? How bad are you working to get it? But not just run yourself in the ground to try to get it. Have that balance of self-care too. Like you got to take care of yourself. Um, you gotta, you know, eat right, exercise, uh, get some reading in, actually read some good stuff, feed your soul, reading the Bible. He says he reads the Bible sometimes. Sometimes he's reading the Quran or he's reading like inspirational quotes. And so it's like they're being intentional about feeding their, their, their soul and the non-physical portion of them as well as the physical portion, but also being driven to like, work hard and putting surrounding themselves with people that are doing it too. So I think the book is really good. If you guys don't have it, haven't re- haven't uh, read it or heard it, I definitely say, check it out. Um, you can go to audible. This is like a really shameless plug only because it's how I got the book. Um, audible has like free, uh, like a free month subscription. You can get one free book. So if you don't do use audible already, try that. Um, and they're not paying us for that, although we should try to get them to. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yo, and also the libraries, I was been putting my friends on the libraries, like, yo, I got a library card, a local library card, and that's good too, because they have ebooks and audiobooks. So, um, yeah, if you guys want to check it out, I definitely, everybody, no matter what field you're in, I'd say check it out, and I think it's, it's really good. So, that's my toast for this week. I yeah I need to get on Audible books I haven't been on that but I feel like I need to I think it's a great way to read yeah especially when you're traveling a lot like you do I think that's good um so I want to toast to something that is not as helpful as uh Randall's (laughs) (laughs) toast but Zoe's Mediterranean Kitchen uh I'm late discovering this I don't know if they're everywhere are they in DC I don't think I've ever heard of it Oh, well, it's a chain. I know they had them in Lynchburg when I lived there, but uh, they have them in Jacksonville. And it's just really good, fresh food. I get the salmon kebabs. They do. They have them in Alexandria. I mean, or Arlington. One okay. Of them. Um, but, yeah, with cauliflower rice and roasted vegetables. Because I'm on this health kick. I'm working out. I'm really proud of myself for being consistent. But that has been my saving grace, even though you're still hungry after you eat it. Because cauliflower <laughs> rice, while it may taste um, similar, it doesn't give you that same feeling. Um, <laughs> so toast to them for helping me on my weight loss journey. Uh, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. So hey, man. thank God for that. Yes. 
We should do God. maybe we should do like a joint challenge together, like to hold each other accountable. Because I've really been trying to get back into it. So maybe we can so like share some tips. This challenge gonna be because oh, sometimes God. I get a frost. <laughs> oh no no no! It's fine. So you know, was it Kelly Rowland? My wife. She taught me this, like the eighty twenty well, rule. Tell your wife to get her friend so, under control, Kim Kardashian. Side note. Wait, that's not really her friend. They're acquaintances. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> Um, but she taught me the 80, 20 rule, like 80% of the time you be real good. 20% of the time you let yourself cheat with reason. So like you don't go to the buffet and stay there for five hours, but you might be like, Hey, you know what this day or this meal I'm going to have, you know, whatever. But then I'm going to make sure like my other two meals and my snacks are really healthy. And then I'm going to do like an extra mile in the gym to kind of make up for this. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of that thing, but maybe we should, maybe yeah. we can kind of do that. Cause I, I really do. Yo, I'm, I've been looking at these pictures and I naturally have fat cheeks, but these cheeks are a little like my face is a little, a little more plump than I want it to be. And I'm like, all right, man, Jesus. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I do a, I try to do an hour on the, um, the, what's that? The bike. So I've been doing the cycling thing on the nice. stationary bike. Um, an hour on that. I used to think I couldn't, but well, it's fifty minutes. But it, it actually, I've gotten adjusted to it. So I've been doing it almost every day. Nice, nice. And some other, you know, exercises after. So I usually do about an hour and fifteen minutes in total, and then try not to eat any bread or just drinking water. It's really been helpful. Every now and again, if I need a treat, I'll get a small frosty because I feel like that can't be that bad. Okay. <laughs> All right. You know, it's about balance. Good balance. Yeah. Yeah. Not every day, but maybe once a week. Yeah. Just to keep me motivated. Um, but we're going to leave y'all with today's good vibe. Today's good vibe is from Winston Churchill. The pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist seems sees opportunity in every difficulty. Amazing incredibly weird because this this quote without even knowing lisa hadn't read hasn't read charlemagne's book yet but that is a quote that charlemagne uses in the book and that's one of the quotes that i saved like with audible you can save like a a 30 minute clip to make a note of and i saved it because i was like yo this quote is amazing this speaks to me i always like to view myself as an optimist but Oftentimes, I'll look at opportunities and start thinking about all of the challenges and I'll kind of like talk myself out of it, which is really fear. And Lisa gave that quote and I was just like, whoa, wait, hold on. This is weird. I literally just saved this quote. Like, I just saved this. Yeah, we are in sync. Like, I just saved it. And I feel like it's really like that's one of those moments where God is like throwing out nuggets to you and like, hey, 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 hey. And it's like you get it in more than one place. And it's like, yo. This is this means something. I got to take this in. So the good vibe is amazing. I think this is probably one of my favorite good vibe moments because of (laughs) how it came about. Um, But as always, guys, with the good vibes, make sure that you guys are taking this in for yourself throughout the week and also sharing it with other people. Um, We we definitely appreciate you guys um, for just listen to our show, but also spreading the news about the show. And I think that the good vibe is, is one of the easy ways that I know of. one friend of mine always tells me that like she, when she always gets the good vibe and she tries to like apply it or write it down. So she remembers it for the week. So, 
you guys carry on and, and, and carry it out and share it with some people this week. And that's going to wrap up uh, this episode of Brunch Culture. Um, as always, you guys know where to find us on uh, www.brunchculturebc.com is our website. We can be found on Twitter at Brunch Culture and on Instagram at Brunch underscore culture. Um, you guys are the best. Our Brunch Culture family are amazing. Uh, if you guys have been listening, please continue to share with other people. Make sure that you guys subscribe and comment. Subscribe to us on iTunes leave us some comments rate us and you know just let us let everybody that may stumble upon the show or find the show know how you feel about it um as always thank you guys so much for listening to us and as 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 always hey here at brunch culture everything is up for discussion